Welcome to the Everything Sports Podcast with Jay Bandy, where we reveal the little-known secrets of superstar athletes as they leave their glamorous careers behind and return to everyday life. Listen to actionable business tips and life-changing insights from these sporting heroes as they share their epic journeys with you. Now, here's your host, the CEO of Everything Sports, Jay Bandy. I'm super excited today about our guest. He was one of the hard men of the ARL and NRL. When rugby league was tough, but we're starting to try and clean things up. If this guy had played in the 1980s, he would have been one of the best front rowers in the game. But in the mid to late 90s, when the NRL was trying to clean up its image to where it has become today, a lot would say it has gone too far. In the fierce gladiatorial sport, this guy was scrutinized and closely looked at by referees and judiciary. Growing up in the northern beaches, he didn't have to go too far from home to make his ARL debut. Playing for the North Sydney Bears from 1995 to 1999, and then the merger of Manly and North Sydney Bears saw him play two seasons with the Northern Eagles before retiring in 2001. Playing a total of 108 ARL and NRL top grade matches and finishing his career in the top 13 players of league's longest ever suspensions. 12 weeks for two high tackles in 1998, sitting just above John Hopawati for the most suspensions. After his NRL career, he has now has his own finance business on the northern beaches of Sydney. And I'd like to welcome Josh Stewart. Welcome, Josh. Hey, Jay. How are you, mate? Good, buddy. We are carpool buddy up to the uh, Central Coast there for a few years. Northern Eagles, fun times. Yeah, you guys were too much fun in the car because you used to fall asleep. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, mate. Loving like a grandpa. <laughs> now, Josh, just like to share with our listeners why you think transitioning smoothly out of public life is so critical. Look, yeah, it's how I'm saying. You spend your whole life trying to become a somebody and you spend the rest of your life trying to become a nobody, but it didn't happen overnight. I tried a few different avenues when I finished playing rugby league professionally. I ended up playing local footy for a long time, another 10 years after playing professionally, only because I enjoyed it and I enjoyed the team environment. It's something that I longed for and I kept playing as opposed to going to coaching or doing anything in the NRL. First job after football was uh, debt recovery, which a lot of people thought that suited me down to the ground. Um, and it was an office job, surprisingly. Uh, then in uh, 2004, I lost a, uh, a little boy named Darcy. Uh, he was born with a rare disorder called hydrant encephaly, and he passed away 15 days after he was born. So when that happened, I started looking at buying businesses and um, using my profile, even though I went into a bit of hiding and uh, depression. I ended up driving milk trucks, thinking about buying a, a dairy farmer's franchise. I looked at Michelle's patisseries. I looked at mortgage franchises and then through football, which I'm very lucky and, and uh, pleased to have played. I got a call or I bumped into Tony Mestroff who was working as a sponsorship manager down there at uh, Manly. And um, he suggested I speak to what was Dib Financial Group, which is Ray Dib and Gary Gant and, and Dave Francis were all in partnership with uh, the mortgage side of Dib Financial Group. And uh, they put me on as a um, consultant and they paid me a retainer, which is uncommon or not very common in uh, the finance world. 
Yeah. And that allowed me to develop a, uh, a a good clientele base over six or seven years of being a a paid consultant on a retainer basis. And uh, in about 2011, I jumped out and went by myself. And so now I just am fully self-employed, but I still aggregate or still use dual finance, is what we are now, now known as, as my um, administration staff and aggregator, which we need to um, to get paid. So it's uh, it's been a le- steep learning curve, but uh, yeah. in saying that, it's, uh, I've always been one to, to not shy away and talk, I always talk to people. I'm up front, take care about what people think. And uh, I think in this industry, it's um, it's more important to be out there and to build relationships, and that's what it's all about, is building relationships and, and making sure people believe in you and trust you. And it's been very successful. Good stuff, mate. That's uh, good stuff. So transitioning, so the transition for you was obviously a, a little bit tough those early early days, like obviously you know losing your young boat Darcy and and Footy. That that wasn't that long after Footy either. Like all that kind of stuff happened at a similar time for you, I guess. Oh yeah, look, and um, if you if you spoke to my wife, I wasn't the most pleasant person there for a long time. But yeah. it's. Yeah, like football was your life when you're playing football. It's uh, you live and breathe it. I spent a lot of time on the golf course after footy. When footy was sort of taken away from me because uh, I went to the Northern Eagles on a four week suspension uh, from our last uh, North Sydney. <laughs> I whacked the bloke and got four weeks. So when I went to the Northern Eagles, I couldn't play the first four games. And I remember you were there playing um, with the Northern Eagles. We had a good roster. Um, and I was out for the first four weeks. I ended up coming back for reserve grade uh, with North, and then I finished up at the Northern Eagles in 2001 with a three-week suspension. Last game <laughs> I played was the Cowboys. Ironically, again, this time I broke bow over and I, I whacked the winger because that's like a pick on the time. And I got another three weeks, and, and my, my first child was about to be uh, born on, on the 3rd of September. She was born for three weeks. There's five weeks left to go. We couldn't make that. Semis or anything. Yeah. I said, well, that'll do. And I chucked the towel and I said, I've been enough. I didn't like the coach at the time. So yeah. I said, do me. And I, I retired without any fanfare or anything like that. I yeah. just sort of laughed. Yeah. So your first daughter, you just mentioned there, she's a nearly a professional gymnast from what I hear. Is that? Jay, <laughs> when we were playing footy, we'd train probably, well, you probably would have trained a lot more than me, but <laughs> I think about 12 hours a week. My daughter does 32 and a half hours a week, every week. 32. Uh, yeah, right. Pay for it, and that cost me 975 bucks a month. So <laughs> it's ironic. Here we are getting paid to, to train. We're only you know, playing professional footy, and we're doing 12 to 14 hours a week. He's, he's not getting paid a cent, and she does 32 hours a week, and it costs me money to send her there. But uh, look, the good thing about her with the gymnastics is that she's very disciplined. She's very headstrong, and uh, and she enjoys it. So healthy body, healthy mind. Yeah. Oh, very good. Can we talk, talk about the transition side of it? Your transition, yeah. So, so you've mentioned a couple of things about transitioning there, but just um, you know, building relationships. Some like how would you describe the actual process of transitioning for you out of the well, public life? I'm one to ask a lot of questions, and um, yeah, you know, take every people as I see them. I don't judge anyone especially up front anyway, and then once I, I work out who they are and what they are, I then, you know, realise what and if they can do anything that will help me along my journey. 
And that's not using them or anything like that. If you build a relationship, you don't talk to people you can't stand. You just chew their ears, what you do, what, how you how you do it, especially successful people. I found if I, if I surround myself with successful people, I become successful myself. Uh, and there is a, a known fact that you make as much money as your five closest friends. So yeah. I, I thought, you know, not that I decide my friends on how much money they make, but yeah. you start hanging around with successful people, you can become successful yourself. And I, I, I'm fortunate to work for dual finance, um, even though I'm self-employed, and I found that to be the case. Yeah, cool. uh, just through my own business, you know, it's there's no rocket science to that, I don't believe. Yeah. But uh, look, I'm, I, one of the things, treat everyone the same and, and respect them. And always respect your elders because you learn a lot more from the people that have been there and done that. And, you know, they say that the old saying was life begins at 40. I think now it's, uh, in, in the footballer's case, it might be life begins at 44. You might have to have the GST because uh, my life certainly got better in the later, you know, 42, 43. Yeah, yeah the, more I, the more I'm in business and the longer I'm in business, I'm finding that, you know, it takes four, five, six seven years like i've been in business five years now it took me that first five years to really you know get on top of a lot of stuff and kind of learning who you are and for me you know and growing with the business i guess so for me now i really know who i am i really know what i want and i'm driving towards that you know but previous to that i don't think i i'm just speaking from my own point of view i, I was kind of a bit oh this and that try that and try this but now i know oh um, without i mean it's trial and error with everything, especially when you've got your own business and, and yours is, I believe, a startup business where you just started with clothing. Is that right? You know, yep. Yep. And now yep. I'm a customer of yours. So yep. it is trial and error. But if you don't learn from your mistakes, you'll go backwards pretty quick. Yeah. You've got to find out what works for you. It doesn't work for everyone. Yeah. It's what works for you. So, like, I believe a lot of footballers will make good businessmen because they've been in the team environment. now. I was talking to a bloke, Kurt uh, Burnett. Kurt Burnett. Yeah. He's um, I played for him at Neely, and he's high up in uh, Channel Seven. Quite oh, yeah, see or something. He said, "Mate, what would you do as a coach?" And I said, "Well, mate, the coach is like a good CEO." He says, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, mate, you, all you're doing is getting the best out of your players, but you've got to employ the right staff in the right areas." Yeah. I said, so you've got a good defensive coach, you've got a good attacking coach. What you're doing is bringing it together and making it gel. I said, it's like being a CEO. He says, mate, why don't you become a coach? I said, because I don't want to. Yeah. But, yeah, look, there's no rocket science to, to, to life, really. It's just um, putting people in the right places and, and utilising what they're best at. And I think that's what we get with dual finance here. We've got good admin staff and, yep. and good brokers that go out and do their job. Oh, good. Um, yeah, that's good, mate. That's a lot of good stuff there. I think 40, 40 years and above, I'm about to hit 40 in another 12 months, so the best years ahead of me by the sounds of it. <laughs> good to hear you, mate. <laughs> hey, look, I, I'm lucky too. My children are 16, 15, 12, and the youngest just turned nine. So yeah. I've just turned 45. Yeah. Um, and I think it's only almost up through it for me. And the beauty of that, you know, the youngest being a nine-year-old, he can sort of live and learn of, of what I do and how I do it, and he's a little character. Oh, yeah, really. he's a bit of a client of you too. Oh, it's scary. <laughs> it's scary. But he's um he's quick witted. Yeah. And God help us if he's uh becomes a big boy or a big 
front row or something like myself because he's uh he's, he's on the ball. <laughs> oh, very good, mate. Just uh, I've already answered a couple of these questions already, but I just yeah. what are the biggest challenges that you face personally transitioning smoothly out of public life, and how did you overcome them? Mate, the, the hardest thing is is finding what you like. Otherwise, it is a job. So being self-employed or been working for Jewel for it's been twelve years, thirteen years this year. Yeah. I had to find something I really enjoyed doing. And if you've got a bit of freedom in meaning that you're self-employed, I work my own hours, I do what I want when I want. It allows me to get kids to school, get kids to sport. I, I, I see everything of my children's life going, like, moving forward. I'm there for them, which is something my dad couldn't be for me. And I swore I'd do everything different to what my dad did, not that I believe he did something wrong, but I just thought it's what I wanted to do and being self-employed has allowed me to do that. The challenges are staying motivated, and you know, people say money ain't everything. Well, money won't buy you love. I tell you what, it goes goes a long way to to, to helping you find happiness. <laughs> because financial, I tell you, most of the times you have fights with your partner and all the rest of it is due to financial troubles and yeah. the lack of finance. So, I think finding the right job. Yep. As I said, you know, I worked in debt recovery. I did milk runs. I worked out the races as a bookies clerk. Yeah. I, uh, you know, like had a, had a few cracks at, at different things before I found what I wanted to do. And even now, like it's still, you still got challenges, but the money side of it helps helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty awesome to think about what you did there in regards to trying a few different things before you actually found you know, where you wanted to go and make your decisions but also um along with that you've set your own business up where you can run your own schedule i guess and uh spend time with your kids and, and that's important for me as well and I, i'm pretty lucky in the you know i go to all these swimming carnivals a bit like yourself and yeah, my dad he was the, one of the best dads but he was a sheep shearer truck driver he was always away or you know at work from six to six you know like so i think that's i don't know for me i'd touch Touched uh, a bit of a nerve there, I guess, being able to do that kind of stuff. And that's something that I've always wanted to do for my kids. So that's awesome, mate. Almost like, like I said before, you, as long as you're learning, um, we've lived and learned what we didn't have from that. So my dad was a butcher. He worked five and a half days every week. Yeah. Uh, which included Saturday, and that's a half day. So he'd be finished there at one o'clock. So he didn't see a lot of my early footy games, but he, yeah. he he died, you know, trying to trying to get there because that's what he wanted to see. He, he wanted, you know, yeah. it's, it's his, his passion. He loved his footy. He yeah. played a bit of first grade himself with Newtown. Yeah, but he was you know, wasn't fortunate enough to be able to see my games, but not all of them. But uh, he made like he, he got to go and see a lot of games. Yeah. I guess I lived and learned from what he missed out on is why I'm so into my kids and spoiling them, which I do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you, uh, you take your hat off to, oh, well, I'd take my hat off to my dad too because he busted his ass and uh, gave me all I, I got, I guess, and, and taught me hard work and work ethic, I guess, and kind of the one of the things why I think I'm succeeding in business because my dad taught me some of those hard hard lessons, you know, work hard, play hard. The old man was a bit of a madman on the footy field and all that stuff as well. So, but. Uh, oh, <laughs> big Bruce. Uh, yeah, so. But that's you, you touched on something there too, Jay. Like I, I'm very uh, grateful for my parents bringing me up the way they did. Yeah. And Dad's always been a worker, but I see kids these days that yeah, you know, a lot of blokes I played footy with, 
they're falling on hard times. Yeah. And uh, I don't understand it. Uh, like when I was doing it tough in 2004, 2005, whatever it was, I wasn't going that great financially. I was earning, you know, 1000 bucks, 1500 bucks a week cash, whatever I had to do to get by. And, but that's just two jobs I was doing. And I just had to do what I had to do to feed my family. Yeah. Um, I don't understand why people, you know, there's plenty of work out there if you want to look for it. Yeah. And I just, yeah, and then, you know, 2005, I started doing this, and I still kept working two or three jobs yeah. just to get back ahead. You know, like, I've, I've been very fortunate to have never lost a house. Yeah. Uh, but I sold three houses to buy the one I've got. Yeah. But, geez, if you, if you put your hand up and have a go, you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll I succeed. You have to. Yeah, and I think right. a lot of the generation Y is scared of work. It's yeah. going to get in the head. Sturdy. Not that I do anything physical. I did do the physical work when I was driving milk trucks, but just have a go and you you always get by. You pull through, don't you? Pull through, yeah. Hard yeah. work always pays off. And with these people with depression all the rest of it, I find uh, I go down to the pub and hear my problems. I don't have problems <laughs> after that. <laughs> you scoon it and everyone's out. That's it. Hey, mate, what are some quick wins or some actions that listeners, listeners can take away from our conversation to help them in their own lives? Uh, quick wins. You mentioned a couple. Yeah. Like, there's no quick yeah. wins about hard work, I guess, but some other things that you've pointed out there. I think you've you got, got any. You've got to be a better listener than talker. Yeah. So what does that mean? Well, I did a bit of motivational stuff and a bit of work with Paul Bunn. Uh, he was a business coach in there for a while. And we listened to CDs. I think you, you got into that uh, Century 21 stuff there for a while. Yeah. Being a good salesperson is not about selling something. Yeah? yeah, it's more about listening to someone and what they need. Yeah. Once you know what they need, you can then adhere to their needs. Yeah, uh, this has been in the sales side of things, but you know, people say, "Oh, you know, like that 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 show um, with Jordan Belfort." He says, "Sell sell me this pen." Oh yeah. Like starts talking about the pen uh, and how good the pen is, and the other bloke says, "Sign sign this bit of paper for me, so I haven't got a pen." And she will buy the pen. You know, I mean, like it's yeah. It's one of those things. If you listen, yeah, you get ahead. And um, as I said before, listening to people that have experienced it, that are successful, older people I love listening to. Yeah, I always take the time to listen to them because I benefit more than talking to younger people that are inexperienced. And you're not going to buy anything or do anything with someone that's not been there and done it themselves. Yeah, so that's good. That's one of the one of the wins. Let's be a good listener and listen to older. Wiser people than uh, yourself. That's that's good and advice, mate. Yeah, yeah, it's successful. You know, look, it's uh, it's a lot of work you're going into, depending on what you're doing in life. Talk to the yep. people that are good at that business. Yeah, live and learn. That's awesome, mate. Thanks for that. Um, just are there any books or events or courses that um help you through that time? I guess or had a great or positive impact on getting you through that transition? Like you mentioned a couple of, um, you know, yeah, look, you listen to CDs and read a book and go to a yeah, seminar. Yeah. Is there any that stick out to you? Well, I, mean, I don't want to say it because uh, Todd Greenberg is a big fan of it, but how to win friends and influence people. You know, I mean, look, there's no rocket science to it. It just explains to you how you, people should be treated and, uh, and how to, I mean, anything to do with SARS is about people. So yeah. become a people's person, read that book, read the second book. Um, don't be afraid to read. Yeah. 
know, even if it's just 15 minutes a night. Yep. Read a book. Increase your vocabulary. Do whatever you have to do. Yep. Yeah. No, good. Life's, you know, you always should be learning. Yep. You know, I'm, am I a different person than five years ago? Of course I am. Yep. Am I a better person? Maybe. Yeah, like you got to be pretty hard on yourself, judge wise. Yeah. Uh, judgmental, like, um, do I spend enough time with kids? So it's also those things you've got to you know, self assess yourself and how good you're going, where you're at, and uh, where you want to be. So, yep. one of the just in becoming a business owner, it's all about numbers game. Okay. So, I don't know. You judge yourself on numbers. You can't really assess what you can't measure. Um, and it was how many appointments I had to do a week to get how many settlements, which meant what do I need to convert into that into to make money, and how much money I need to be to be happy. You yeah. know, like it's so it's all a numbers game where okay, I needed to put ten loans into the system per month, get six successful loan settlements to give me the income that I felt was suffice for me to be happy and uh, it's a funny thing it's like in football we relied heavily on stats how many hit-ups you had to do how many meters you had to make how many yeah. tackles you had to make how many yeah. successful tackles how many contests you're in yeah, all these were statistics which I think that we've taken from football yeah. and put them into life as well and, and again that's probably the main reason why I'm so happy that uh, besides the, the fame and the five minutes of fame that we had and, and the mates that we made, football yep. was just unbelievable. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. I think um, about numbers game, I, I guess knowing your numbers, like for me, it's about knowing your numbers. Like I kind of, you know, I convert pretty much one in two with sportswear. It's not real difficult because there's so many cowboys out there. So, um. Yeah, that's what I try and tell the sales guys that you need to know your numbers. Like some people might be one in ten, some might be one in eight, some might be, you know, one every two, you know what I mean? But knowing your numbers, I think that's important. So that, that was a good point you pointed out there, mate. Thanks for that. Yeah, man, it's, a, it's the good numbers too, you know? Yeah. You can fill your funnel, yeah? Yeah. It's another way they look at it. You fill your funnel with shit numbers and shit numbers come out. Yeah. If you fill the good good numbers, you only need to get six good numbers out of the ten they put in. Yeah, and they're, they're they're the successful deals that you want to do, and everyone's happy. So, I mean, real estate agents they they're big on numbers. Yeah, it's doing the numbers. So I had to work out how many phone calls I had to make. Um, and phone calls. What do you mean phone calls? So every time I jumped in the car, had the hands free, just. <laughs> Made as many phone calls as I had. Who did I make them to? I was made from anyone. Who cares? Yeah. And because they hear your voice, I went, how's the finance going? Go, oh, you wouldn't believe it. I was talking to this bloke the other day. And he, he was looking to get a mortgage. Oh, yeah. give us his details. Says, so how many phone calls you had to make to convert into appointments, to convert appointments turn into to, to loans, and then loans to settlements. So, again, that's the, the numbers that I was playing. Yep. And um, as I said, it's like in football, you had to do your numbers to, to stay in the team. Yeah, that's right. No, very good. Um, just one last one, mate, before I let you go. Um, been been awesome finding out a bit of an insight into Josh Stewart and, and what you've been up to and how you transitioned and um, what you're up to now. Um, 
But how the how do the listeners find out more about you? And is there anything you'd like to share before we uh, say goodbye? www.jewelfinance.com.au yep. um, If I'm looking for a home loan, investment loan, investment property, uh, car lease, you name it, we do it. I yep. don't do all of it. Yep. Um, I, I find a bit of work out, but I only find work out to people I trust. Yep. Um, yeah, but it's mainly about home loans, mate. And, uh, I don't lie to anyone. I tell them the truth. I tell them what you paid from each lender. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. And uh, we try and do a good job for everyone. I know uh, from personal experience, mate. It's good to have you on the on the um, podcast. And you know, true gentleman. He's a bit of a madman, big Josh. He, but he doesn't bullshit people. That's that's the best thing I like about you, mate. So. Uh, <laughs> Good to have you on, and I uh, really appreciate your time. I know you're busy, and uh, with the good luck with the rest of the day, mate. Have a good weekend. Yeah. Hey, this is just going out to the next football. If uh, we did a thing through um, Nick Butner, they do that uh, the new thing they set up. What's it called? It's got a funny name. Uh, Not the clothing one. And uh, no, 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 Mick Butner about helping the ex footballers oh, okay. transition. Liam Fulton was getting into the mortgage game, so I had to go and have a meet with him. Yep. Um, if any ex-footballers want to touch base with me, um, yeah, find out what I do and how I do it, uh, yep. look me up, give me a call. I'm more than happy to sit down and have a chat to you. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, look, it's a, good, it's a great industry to be in. Um, yep. A lot of people like the, the model and yep. how it works. Um, and if you come and have a chat to me, I had Josh Perry come down and see me before he decided to stay in the New South Wales Rugby League. Yeah. Um, he was half, you know, half keen to, to get involved, but um, yep. it's all about networking and knowing people. And uh, that, that's the biggest thing. I, you know, you can probably take away is, is networking. You always treat people the, the, the way that you'd like to be treated. Um, and look, if you don't like something, that's a deal. Yeah. Uh, and network and. And stay involved and look after everyone. Oh, that's good. I think um, anyway, from from that, I guess from from that, I guess a lot of NRL players uh, they need to use the way I've been looking at it. And the more people I interview, like yourself, and they need to use that to their advantage, their you know celebrity status. That and they need to use that before the actual finish footy because once they're finished, it's um you know they just seem forgotten. You know so. Although I was you, never, you need was, to be made a brand, Jay. You know, I was, like hmm. I was never a high-profile player. I only played a few games, but like I know a lot of players that are out there, and then they're finished, and that's it. Like I need to actually take advantage of the position they're in and the position they've got themselves in with the NRL and, and being you know, a celebrity. There's so many businesses or create their own business or brand, like you said, to um, catapult themselves into the next stage of their life, and I think. The footy players need to have a bit more of a vision. Like it's really hard as an NRL player to look at anything else. Otherwise, you're probably not going to make it. You need to focus on footy. But having uh, a vision of you know ten years down the track, what are you going to be doing after footy, and what you want to live into, I guess, instead of just having a short term focus of NRL. Uh, you look, you you really hit the nail on the head. And I think part of the problem, and I think the biggest problem is is player managers. Um, of course, actually. I was talking to Jason Deef, um, who's married to one of my sisters, uh, yesterday in the co- coffee shop, and um, he says, "What does um, in NRL stand for?" 
to his young bloke. And Phoenix said, National Rugby League. He goes, no. Nah. He says, not real long. He said, your career is not real long. <laughs> but uh, back to the managers, which I mean, you think about it, it's not real long. How many years did you play for, Jake? Seven years? Uh, five in total, yeah. Five from being first grade, but seven yeah, years. Seven in up. total, yeah. Yeah, do you know what I mean? But uh, it's not a real long time, is it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> You've been out of the NRL now for 12 years. Yeah, yeah, that's right, more, yeah. 2002, end of 2002, so that's six, 16 years. Here you are doing this because of your grounding with the NRL or ARL, maybe, but not real long. So the managers, like my nephew's Nathan Cleary, like, wow, well, well did his feet. Yeah. He should be utilising his name now. Now, yeah. That will last forever. Yeah. And whether it be setting up in business, uh, you know, Ryan Girl is a very a great example of, of rugby league. You know, like he's now got coffee, uh, you know, cafes, and he's got the franchise of Girl's Grinds. Um, and he's also got the, his work he does with Triple M and he does a bit of work on TV. Like, he's a great example of utilizing your name to its best advantage. He, he now sells coffee, true colds, and woolies, and all those sort of things, yeah. all because he loves coffee. Yeah. Like, wow. Well, what, a, what an awesome story that is. Yeah, that's right. What a success. These are sort of people that our footballs, our current day footballs, like say Nathan, mate, can't you good, good this but how did he get to where he is yeah. now? And whether it be the same manager you, you get to, oh, I think the manager would have helped him a lot with doing that. Uh, Freddie Fittler, what, what an inspiration that bloke is. Yeah. Um, yeah, like he's got his finger that many pies, whether it be going to Fiji, final footballs. Uh, the hogs for homeless. Like this guy does charity work off his own back and successful with it. Like I, I noticed today in today's paper, he's out at Wellington. That's it. Your way, wasn't it? No. Oh, yeah, Dubbo, yeah, out that way, yeah. He's laying turf for a, a footy over. Like yeah. the, the, the NRL needs, has got a lot to account for with young juniors not being involved in the game these days. But they should also pat themselves on the back for having someone like Freddie Fiddler, Ryan Girdler. Um, there's real great, you know, great examples of people that are successful yep. and keep giving back. Even Joey Johns. Yep. And he keeps, yes, he has a couple of stuff-ups here and there, but they keep giving back to the game. Yeah, and, right. and it's great. The people that I play with, they don't want to know the game once they've finished. Yeah. And the game owes them something. Yeah. We either owe the game everything, yeah, the way I'm seeing it. People get dirty in the game. Heck, you do, mate. It gave you everything you got. Yeah. Anyway, just yeah. an opinion. Oh, that's good, mate. Well, uh, thanks for your time, mate. Yeah. Good no to speak problem. to you, and uh, thanks for your, your knowledge and you know, your experience from your transition. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, mate, hopefully someone yeah. learns something from it. And as I said, if I, if I need to have a personal chat, you'll find me somewhere or, or give me a call. Is it jewelfinance.com.au? Yeah, www.jewelfinance.com.au. Thanks, mate. No worries at all, Jay. Thanks for your time. Thank you for listening to the Everything Sports Podcast, the podcast which consistently provides actionable business tips and life-changing insights from high-performance athletes. You can access all the information related to this episode via the show notes at www.everythingsports.com slash podcast. 
You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Jay will answer in upcoming episodes. How can Jay help you today?